Hi, and welcome once again to Video Worship of the First Presbyterian Church of LaGrange. I am so glad that you've decided to worship with us in another one of our many video services while we are awaiting the time that we can gather together in person. When we gather in person, it's very easy to make one another feel welcome. It's with a kind word, a look in the eye, a shake of a hand, the extension of gratitude, and the listening of our ears that make people feel important when they're gathered in our midst. In fact, people recognize very quickly if they are not welcome. Today, this Sunday, we are talking about the grandest welcome of all as we celebrate the baptism of our Lord by John the Baptist in the River Jordan at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It is a welcome baptism into the community of faith and into our covenant relationship with God through Christ, by God's Spirit with one another. It is the way in which we say to one another, you are always welcome here. As the waters of baptism declare our connection to God's grace. Worship with us. After 40 long years in the desert, Joshua finally leads the children of Israel across the River Jordan. Downstream is the Dead Sea, about three miles, about four and a half miles to the north is the Sea of Galilee, and across to the west lies the Promised Land. The elders of the children of Israel took stones and as they placed the stones into the water of Jordan and they stepped into that water, Joshua now armed with the staff of Moses plunges it in the water and just like it happened in the Red Sea 40 years before when they fled Egypt, the waters of the Jordan parted and they went to conquer the promised land. Every faithful Israelite understood how sacred this place was. This was the place where they ceased to be wandering nomads in the wilderness and they became a people, a people that conquered Canaan and claimed it for its own. And then the centuries passed. 
thousands of years of the occupation and the nationalization of Israel, which broke into the twin kingdoms of Israel and Judah, the northern kingdom disappearing to history, Judah, 70 years in ba Babylonian captivity, returning, rebuilding the temple, and then the Roman invasion. By the time Jesus was a young man, the Romans controlled it all, except with a light fist the Jewish religion was permitted to flourish by a handful of power broker, brokers known as Pharisees and Sadducees, and they were in charge of the behavior of the locals. And into this place, this very place where they had crossed the Jordan and become a people, came out of the wilderness a wild man his hair completely matted. He was dressed in the skins of camels and had a leather belt around his waist. His beard was mottled and sticky with honey and pieces of cicada where he had eaten in the wilderness and survived off the land. This was John the Baptist. And here on the banks of the Jordan River, he would howl about the coming day of the Lord that righteousness was more important than political expedience. People would walk all the way six miles from Jerusalem to see the wild man emerge from the wilderness and talk about the righteousness of God and the expectations of that righteousness. And for all who wanted the transformation of a commitment to a new holiness, there was the Jordan. And so it was into that river where he would ask people to demonstrate their true commitment to the holiness of the God who had given them this land in order to be plunged into the waters of baptism. Jesus, a cousin of John the Baptist, arrived. And John the Baptist recognized immediately who he was, not just a cousin, the son of Mary, who was related to John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth. No, this is the one who was promised of old, the Messiah. And John the Baptist cried out saying, I baptize with water, but the one who is coming will baptize with fire and with the spirit. And here was the place where John baptized Jesus as he emerged out of the waters, a dove descended upon him and announced, this is my son of whom I am well pleased.
So here's the question. How did the Christian church get from the flowing river Jordan to a baptismal font inside the sanctuary with a lid and a small basin? To understand the flow of that story, we need to start by recognizing that baptism was Jewish before it was Christian. There are a number of rites in the Jewish religion where after one has become ceremoniously unclean, they need to bathe to show that they are ritually clean again. It happens at the beginning of every meal with a thanks for bread and for water with the ceremonial washing of one's hands particularly the leader of the family. But it is also several times when one has recovered from illness or has been in contact with blood, where in order to be ceremonially clean, a ritual washing was necessary. This would happen in a basin, either known as a tzvila or a mikvah. A mikvah usually had flowing water, a tzvila was usually stagnant water. And it was a symbolism of once one had made sufficient time and examination and prayer to be cleansed again, then they would ritually conclude that cleansing with a physical cleansing in water itself. John the Baptist was taking that imagery when he'd stepped out into the waters of the River Jordan. John the Baptist was proclaiming that the act of being baptized in the River Jordan was being baptized with the waters of the identity of the people themselves for the sake of righteousness. When Jesus came to be baptized, he understood full well that stepping down into the River Jordan was a symbolism that would have powerful meaning for those who were Jews. But as Christianity grew after the resurrection of Christ and his ascension into heaven, the tradition of baptism continued, except rather than the Jewish baptism, that occurred after every time of being unclean and then purified, Christian baptism was once. As a statement that the baptism in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, by Jesus Christ's own baptism, once we are cleansed by the forgiveness of sins in Christ, then we remain clean without the need for the repetitious washing again and again and again. One faith, one Lord, one baptism. The point of the Christian faith was that Jesus Christ offered victory over sin itself. And so though we were not perfect, we no longer needed a sense of cleansing through faith in Christ to cleanse all sin. That sense of victory is captured here in the carving on the front of our own baptismal font. Schwetter, the liturgical artist who was responsible for the rendering of mahogany in the pulpit and the font and our communion table, wanted that notion of victory over all sin etched into the word on our font, which you can see as part of the cross, it reads Nike, Nike, the Greek word for victory. Fitter also continued that thematic carving with the mahogany on the front of the pulpit is carved into a dove that is descending with flames of fire on either side. Reminiscent, of course, of Pentecost, but also of Jesus' baptism, 
John the Baptist said that the one who is coming will baptize you with the Spirit and with fire. And when Jesus came from the waters of baptism, it was indeed a dove that descended upon him. When God's voice cried out from the heavens, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. And so as the font reminds us of the victory, the proclamation from the pulpit also reminds us that our baptism is complete through Christ. Christ was baptized and we share in his baptism once, no longer needing to fear the rep repetitious struggles of sin, repentance, and cleansing. Of course, the three letters on the top of the baptismal font brass lid, which appear to be I-H-S, are actually the letters in the Greek alphabet that are the first three letters of Jesus's name. What looks like an H in this alphabet is actually an E in the Greek, J-E-S. It was Christ's name, Jesus of Nazareth, abbreviated. So baptism, once a radical declaration of identification with the coming Messiah, became the symbol of the affiliation with the Church of Jesus Christ. Many churches initially placed their baptismal fonts at the entry into the church as an announcement that in order to come into this fellowship, one first needed to be baptized. In the Reformed tradition, the baptismal font was actually moved into the sanctuary because it was through the proclamation of the word that one was formed as a family member of the community of faith in order to grow into the expectations of one's baptismal call. Regardless of whether the font is stylish in the front or in the back or in some cases in an entirely separate building, the message is still the same. In baptism, we declare the forgiveness of sins through Christ, and that that forgiveness has occurred for us. From time to time, we confess our sins again, not to make us whole and in relationship with God. That has already been assured by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is instead to make us whole within ourselves, to recognize again that we are sinners, not requiring a new baptism, but requiring a refreshed commitment an understanding of the grace that is deep and strong and ours. So when John the Baptist called Jesus down into the waters of the river Jordan, for him to be baptized, he did so in order to proclaim that this one who was baptized came to eliminate the need for repetitive baptism and instead to bring to us righteousness in the eyes of the beloved Father, who announced that in his Son he was well pleased. Amen.